We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. We are summoning the demon. Today on the Babylon Singularity Podcast, we're going to look at the great narrative arising from Dubai. We're also going to talk a little bit about why Peter Thiel believes that friendly super AI will not happen. And I'm going to get back into Romans 1 because I failed. Inspiring faith in Christ and anchoring hope in the age to come. This is the Babylon Singularity Podcast with Peter Hurdle. Yeah, you heard me right. I feel like I failed. I failed you. I failed myself. I just, I talked way too much about Eric Schmidt and Ben Shapiro on that last episode. And I, I rushed through Romans 1. Like, what am I doing? I got I to gotta turn that around. I got to spend a lot less time talking about yahoos and more time getting into the word of God. And so that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm about. That's so when I, I was like, what I was looking at the episode yesterday and I was scratching my head. Like, why did I spend so much time talking about venture? I, I think mostly because they're uh, less, you know, less so Ben Shapiro, but I think it's because they're psychopaths. Um, I mean, Ben for sitting there listening and not having better maybe questions about some of the crazy things Eric Schmidt was saying, but for sure, Eric Schmidt is an absolute psychopath. And, and the great thing about Eric is, is the thing that he said, what he said, he said this about the, he said, Hey, you know, I can't help it if you're crazy, but I can help it if you use my tools to act crazy. It was one of these, hold on, let me see if I got it. Yes. In other words, the fact that you're a crazy person, I'm sorry to say this, you're a crazy person not sorry. Um, who has a crazy sorry, idea, not that's sorry. fine. But it's not okay in my view that your crazy idea then becomes magnified to the point where it becomes a dominant theme when it's just frankly something that you made up. <laughs> this is the guy, okay, so, so he says, sorry, uh, I don't mean to call you crazy, but <laughs> he absolutely means to call us crazy. He absolutely does. And, you know, he just wants to make sure that craziness doesn't get on the internet, right? Like, like he wants to make sure that he's framing the, the conversation about artificial intelligence and our future in such a way that anyone who might detract or might, might raise objections to uh, our AI future is a crazy person. And that those crazy per people are silenced. I mean, that's what he's saying there. I know, I know it doesn't sound like that's what he's saying, but that's exactly what he's saying. Okay, this is the same psychopath who says this, right? Um, what's really going to happen is that our world will be surrounded by digital intelligences. Digital intelligences. And these intelligences are partially like humans. And they'll make things more efficient. They'll oh, make new discoveries. They'll oh, be around. That's nice. Um, they'll they'll around. help educate our children. They'll educate discover new things. We can talk to them. They'll yep. provide companionship. Oh, they'll be a, a um, really good friend. They'll also change the way we think about war. 
Change and our the, own identity. Our own we wrote identity. The book. The, your own identity, like who you are, who God made you to be. They're going to help you understand who you are. Oh, I didn't know I needed help understanding that. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're not a crazy person, are you? You're not, you're not crazy enough to question what Eric Schmidt's talking about. Because if you're, <laughs> I don't mean to call you, I don't mean Which, to call you crazy. I in mean, other words, the fact that you're a crazy person, I'm sorry to say this, you're crazy person. And the fact that you're a crazy person for disagreeing that artificial intelligence will program your children, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to call you a crazy person, but sorry, you are going to be silenced. You're going to be silenced because why? Oh, because you're a crazy person. A crazy person. Coming from a complete psychopath. So, okay, so I, here's the truth. I got triggered. I got triggered. I heard Eric Schmidt say too many crazy things and it got to me. And so he threw, Eric Schmidt threw me off my game. Eric Schmidt, it shouldn't happen. That should not happen. That's not, that's a terrible excuse and I'm owning it. Okay. And I'm going to say to you right now, my listener, you and I, we're, we're buddies. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend so much time talking about the crazy people, but it is important to talk about the crazy people because we're supposed to be watching what's happening so that we can understand what's coming our way so that we can believe God, his word, his truth, walk in the spirit, trust the Lord to get us through this, to bring us home to him, because that's what it's all about. So we're going to trust in the Lord. We're going to dig deep in his word. Um, but first, before we do all of that, we're going to do our artificial intelligence update. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Open the doors. Hell's a jerk. This conversation can serve no purpose. This anymore. is actually from the movie 2001. Bye. Just, I know. Time for the artificial intelligence news update. Sometimes we play these audios and people are just like, what? I don't know what happened there. What was that? Okay, that was a little snippet. It's, it's, it's you know, popular culture. You know, if you ever heard that anyone used the phrase, Open the pod bay doors, Hal. It's from a movie, Stanley Kubrick, 2001, where a, an AI takes over a ship. I won't, I won't give you, you know, any of the, the I, won't, I won't spoil the movie for you, but that's what the reference there is. Okay, so moving forward, when you hear that intro, it's, it's a movie. All right. So our artificial intelligence update comes from mindmatters.ai. Little article here titled Silicon Valley Insider. Why friendly super AI won't happen. Subtitle, venture capitalist Peter Thiel talks about the great filter hypothesis. Why should we assume a superior artificial intelligence would be friendly? Question mark. Why would we assume that? Yeah, why would we assume a super intelligent AI would be friendly? Peter Thiel removes the mystery. He lets us know that there's 
a very high likelihood that a super intelligent AI will not be nice, will not be nice to us. So Peter Thiel was at this conference apparently in the last few days. He expressed concern, quote, that people worry a great deal about artificial intelligence that thinks like people, or AGI. But the real push now is for massive, dumb surveillance AI peering into every detail of our lives for the benefit of either government or the corporate world. He went on to say that he doubts that artificial intelligence, or AGI, superhuman software that can do everything that we can do, would in any event be friendly, a.k.a. won't kill us. Right, so, so Peter Thiel is saying, hey guys, I don't know, if, I hate to burst your bubble here, but this artificially intelligent God we're creating, it's not going to be a, a giant um, Mr. Rogers, right? He's not, he's not going to come in, put his zippity-doo-dah um, sweater vest on and, and talk about being uh, good neighborly neighbors, Why does Peter, you might be wondering, Peter Thiel, why are you such a pessimist about artificial intelligence? Why not just, why not just think positive thoughts about this? Well, he says that if this AI is intelligent enough to be independent, why would we assume that it's going to be friendly? Quote unquote, friendly is a human value. It's hard to quantify and hard to program. Friendliness, like the thing that makes Mr. Rogers so great, is neighborly neighborness. It's just very difficult to put that into a computer. Computers aren't good at Mr. Rogers. This is what Peter Thiel says, quote, if it's a really, sorry, if it's a really, oh, that's a little bit funny here. If it's really a superior mind, it might surprise us. Maybe it'll just want to turn people into dinosaurs instead of curing cancer, right? So if we create this super intelligent, godlike AI, it might come along and just go like, ah, uh, you know what? I don't want to cure cancer. I actually want to, you know, propagate cancer. I want to wipe you out. This is Peter Thiel's deal. So um, not super surprising that this is popping up in the news. Um, why would this matter? Why does? Why would we care? Because we should expect artificial intelligence, this narrative of artificial intelligence being dangerous or being like an immortal dictator, to continue to grow. Because what we should expect is not a dictator like AI, but a democratized AI, right? Where human beings are networked into the AI to control it, right? Um, so... The scenario that I that I use, and, and I'm working on scenarios, um, you know, kind of in real time because I'm trying to figure this stuff out. You know, if you're tr if you're if you want to bring King Kong to New York, right? You, you're gonna want to make sure he's in a cage. You're gonna want to make sure he's got a leash on. You're gonna want to make sure he's good and secure. Um, King Kong's big. He's unwieldy. I mean, he's, he, he gets crazy on Kong Island, right? Like, you go to Kong Island, he's kind of messing that place up, stomping around, ripping pterodactyls in half. He's, he's un, unruly. And there, 
no one really gets to tell King Kong what to do. King Kong does whatever King Kong wants to do. So if you get the bright idea of bringing King Kong to New York, you want to go ahead and make sure that that cage is good and secure. And so this is the kind of a scenario that we're looking at as, as we head into the future. Human beings um, unleashing, releasing a super intelligent AI, like really, you know, bringing King Kong to New York, but doing it in such a way that King Kong is is leashed up, and the way that's going to happen, it it appears at this point is to to find a way to democratize or to build humanity into the AI, and that's that's what basically what we see in Revelation chapter thirteen. We see ten kings, ten human kings, networked together with one mind, operating together in the one with in oneness in a networked intelligence with a seven-headed non-human entity, which is, if you look at Daniel chapter 7, a machine intelligence made of metal technology. So it is democratized superintelligence that's, that, that's, that's what we should be looking for, um, according to Revelation 13, Daniel chapter 7. Well, how are we going to get there? You know, and one of the main ways we're going to the the push for democratizing quote unquote AI is by being afraid of it, right? If we're afraid of a super intelligent AI, we're going to do everything we can to try to put it in a cage or keep it under control. Keeping the authority and the power on the human side and allowing the AI to be the executive power. It is going to execute the will of the people. We don't want to reverse that. We don't want the AI to make decisions and be using humans as an extension of it. We want to be able to use it as an extension of us. So that's going to be the narrative moving forward. So Peter Thiel coming in and saying, hey guys, the AI scenario that seems to be shaping up is troubling. We need to Find ways to make sure we keep control of this AI. And of course, the solution to a rogue AI, an immortal dictator, as Elon Musk would put it, is to network it together from a human fabric or human control or a panel, an AI panel. Um, so that that is our artificial intelligence update for today. Um, and I uh, got one more news article I want to jump into, and that is on the city of Dubai. Babylon down by Samsung. I was born in Babylon and then took my sandals off. Let me be the one who shines in the dark. Speaking of Babylon, what's happening in Dubai? I'm glad you asked. A little shout out to my brother, Walesse. Thanks for letting me use your tune on my show. Love the sound of that. Dubai, what's going on in Dubai? You guys know why I'm I, I, tracking Dubai. I track Dubai because I believe Dubai is on track to become Babylon the Great, the, the, the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 17 and 18. The Bible um, tells of this final expression of 
Babylon, right? Babylon has an ancient history, but it will crescendo in the end times in a single city that will serve as the hub of the world's government, economics, and basically false religion. It's going to be that. It's it, Imagine first century Rome in the 21st century with all the bells and technological whistles. And I believe it's lining up to be Dubai. So it's interesting that the last few days, so, uh, a meeting's been going on in Dubai. It's from the World Economic Forum. You know, the fine, fo- <laughs> the fine folks at the World Economic Forum announcing a great narrative, quote-unquote, the great narrative for humankind. Isn't that nice of them that they're able to spin up a great narrative for you and me? Oh, they're experts, so that that qualifies them to um, come up with some BS deal and try to um, sell it to the rest of the world, which is fantastic. I'm I'm glad these guys are doing that. Um, I mean, if these guys don't do it, I mean, who will? I mean, if 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 guys like um, Klaus Schwab, um which he just looks like an old, bald, white guy. I'm looking at it right here. Where am I seeing this? I'm seeing this. There's a couple different uh, outlets uh, reporting on this. Sociable.co. Um, the title of the article, WEF founder Klaus Schwab calls for a, quote, great narrative, unquote, for humankind at meeting in Dubai. Subtitle, the WEF or the World Economic Forum is about to have a great narrative to go with the Great Reset Agenda. Because when you have a Great Reset, it's super helpful to also have a great narrative, right? They pushed Reset. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for that. That was fantastic. Worked really well. Went off without a, a, a hitch. Um, you know, <laughs> fantastic job on that. But now to follow up on the Great Reset, they have a great narrative. This isn't just a mediocre narrative. This isn't just like a narrative that they just like, oh, this, you know, this is just the best we can. No, this is the great narrative. Just so it's not confused for any other narratives. This is the great narrative. And it's for humanity. It's for you and for me. Um, what are you, what are you, you guys are in Dubai, like talking, you, you're, you're, you know, you're behind these podiums that say the great narrative meeting 2021. Dubai, um, what are you guys talking about? Klaus, quote, we are here to develop the great narrative, a story for the future, unquote. That, I mean, that's profound. I mean, well-worded, well-stated. They are there to develop the great narrative, a story for the future. A story for the future. They're fighting for the future. They want to war over the future. They want to convince you of the future, what your future looks like. Isn't that nice of Klaus and gang? Um, so, well, this is a, this is a fa- fantastic way to spend your time in Dubai. I mean, they got other things there. They've got, you know, uh, I think I, I heard they have like an indoor skiing resort. They have like the world's deepest dives. Like you could be swimming. These guys could be skiing. They could be doing deep dives. They could be on the world's largest Ferris wheel. I mean, there's so many things going on in Dubai right now. 
Klaus wants to use, quote, our positive energy really to create a great narrative for humankind in the, oh, in the next two days, right? Like that's, that's what he really wants, wants to do. Um, boy, there are not very, okay, wait, designing the future usually needs a common will of the people. <laughs> usually not always the great Klaus Schwab at the great narrative meeting in Dubai for 2021. One of the great quotes from the great Klaus Schwab regarding the great narrative is quote, designing the future usually needs a common will of the people unquote. Usually not always. Sometimes you just do it whether they want it or not. Right. And, and so that's what they're trying to like, Hey, can we get some momentum here? But you know, there's the carrot and there's the stick. And so we're, we're, we're putting the carrot out here for you guys. So that's really nice of Klaus and gang to say, hey, they're designing the future for you. And, you know, it would be nice if, if, if you agreed with what they're doing. That would, be, that would be fantastic. But sometimes, you know, even if you don't, you know, get the common will of the people on board, you just go ahead and do it anyway. So fantastic. We're just, we're applauding. We're applauding the, the efforts here. Um, we're apl Oh wait. Thanks Klaus Schwab. Thanks for the experts in, uh, in Dubai this week. Um, appreciate your, um, commitment to designing a future and, 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 and getting people on board or not, you know, it could go either way. Um, so we really appreciate that. Um, appreciate what you're doing out there. Um, so that's about it for today's news. I wanted to spend most of the time, like I said, getting into Rome, back into Romans chapter one. So I'm going to do that right after this. Not that. This. What is eschatology? Eschatology is the study of Bible prophecy. The future of humanity has been foretold in the pages of Scripture. In His Word, God details the events that will surround the return of Jesus Christ. When we study these last things, we are studying eschatology. What is the new perspective on eschatology? The new perspective on eschatology is a departure from the traditional understanding of the Revelation 13 beast. Traditionally, the beast has been understood to be the Antichrist, a Hitler-like character. And the beast is accompanied by the false prophet, who traditionally has been understood to be a Pope-like character. The new perspective on eschatology says that the beast is not a man, the beast is not the Antichrist. The beast is a network of human and non-human intelligence. It's what a futurist would call democratized superintelligence. So you are saying the Antichrist is a robot? No, the Antichrist is not a robot. The Antichrist is the man of sin. 
He is the false prophet of Revelation chapter 13, the deep fake Messiah that leads the world astray and betrays fallen humanity. Why does it matter? We are commanded by Scripture to watch, to stay sober, and discern the signs of the times. If we do not properly understand prophetic Scripture, we will be looking for the wrong things. There's danger for confusion and fear. But if we understand rightly what God has said in His Word, we will be anchored and grounded. We will stay steady in the days ahead. How can I learn more? To learn more about the new perspective on eschatology, to understand how you can partner with us and join us, please visit BabylonSingularity.com. What's that you say? Did you, did you just say the beast is a robot? No, I, I did not say the, the beast is a robot. But thanks for, for listening. Thanks for considering the new perspective. Because, I, hey, when there's, a, when there's something so ingrained in us and the way we think and the way we see things, it's going to take a while to go like, wait, why would we want to change something that's, that works so well? My point is, is it doesn't work well. Like when you believe that the beast is a dude, scripture does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like the beast is a dude. Beast is a dude with 10 other dudes. So the beast is 11 dudes. And then those other seven heads... Those are seven dudes too. So the beast is like 17 dudes. It doesn't make sense. So if you want your eschatology to make sense, if you want to feel good about understanding what Revelation 13 is talking about, what Daniel chapter 7 is talking about, come on over. Check out BabylonSingularity.com. Free your mind. Free your mind from all of that dissonance, all of that craziness that goes on when you're trying to read through Bible prophecy and none of it makes sense, but you're you know, trying to hold to paradigms that God never said were the paradigms to understand what's going on. So if you just get the right, all you have to do, it really, it really, it boils, it just boils down to one thing. You just take the, the beast and Antichrist understanding and just slide it over. And go, oh, the false prophet is the Antichrist. The false prophet is the Antichrist. Doesn't that, that sounds great, doesn't it? Because otherwise, what, you're stuck with, you're stuck with the false prophet just being like this Tonto-like sidekick. Like, why does the Antichrist need a sidekick? Here's, here's the answer. Why does the Antichrist need a sidekick? Because he doesn't need a sidekick. He does not need a sidekick. The Antichrist, he, he rides, he just, it's just him and Satan, right? It's just, it's, it's the Antichrist and Satan leading humanity away from the creator. And so when we get a scenario and we get to understand like, oh, wait, this isn't, we're not talking about Adolf Hitler and the Pope here. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. Adolf and Adolf Hitler and the Pope, that already happened. Like God's not going to like redo that. 
Like Adolf Hitler, we do that once. Like we don't need to do that again. Like that's that's enough of him. No, God's got this other thing that there was no way to describe. When John saw it, God was like, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen at the end. But but it's so crazy that you cannot understand what, what it even what it is. So I'm going to describe it to you in these terms. And what was he describing that was so mind-blowing to John that he would have never understood it? He's, he's describing artificial intelligence. He's describing a system, a network of human and non-human intelligence, of democratized superintelligence. How do you describe democratized superintelligence to a first century human. There is, there is no way to describe that. And God describes it. That's what's so amazing about our God. And that's why we can have total confidence in him to lead us through whatever's coming. He described it. He says how it's playing out. He has given us everything that we need. His son has paid the way, has won the war. And now here we are overcoming by his blood, by the word of our testimony, and that we don't shrink from death. Sounds easy. But by the Spirit of God, it's possible. By, under the leadership of Jesus, when you rely fully on him, he can lead you through anything. I'm not going to tell you how great I am and how courageous I am. I'm going to tell you how great my Savior is and how he has led me through everything in my life. And he will lead me home. And he will do the very same for you. Open your Bible, Romans chapter 1. I, Like I said, I failed you yesterday. I want to get go deeper in this critical passage. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start from a little bit um, in, in a couple in the verses previous to where I picked it up yesterday. Because what I saw in this passage that I didn't even, I didn't even touch in yesterday's uh, episode, in the last episode, is verse 16, which is like the key verse to that passage. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul starts out this passage talking about the righteousness of God. God's righteousness, his rightness, the way he is right, the way he is right, how he does right. Here's the thing about God. He's not a machine. He's not a robot. It's not a calculation. It's not a number. He's not a super intelligent AI. That's not God. God, our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a love. He is a lover and a redeemer. He is holy. He is the living God. And he is absolutely righteous in every way. 
perfectly righteous. He does right completely every single time. Every time God interacts with you, with me, or anyone else, he acts completely righteously. Now, the devil will try to get you to disagree with that reality, right? The devil will try to get you into a position where you're accusing God like the devil is, right? The devil's constantly trying to move the pieces on like a chessboard to prove that God is not righteous. But God is fully righteous. Every single interaction with you has been fully righteous. Every move he makes is entirely righteous. And Paul says God's righteousness, the way he is right, the the way he reveals his rightness, his the great expression of his righteousness is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He reveals his righteousness through the revelation of his gospel, the declaration of Jesus Christ This is the power of God. This is how God's power comes to us in the earth. The preaching of the gospel. It is the highest calling to make known the glory of Jesus Christ, to declare him and the good news. What is the gospel? Gospel means good news news. The good news is that God loves you and he has made a way for you to be with him forever. Because before you can enter into the good news, you need to understand the bad news. This is definitely a good news bad news situation. Like when people ask, do you want the good news or the bad news? Well, we want them both. (laughs) It depends on which order. Sometimes it helps to understand what the bad news is. What is the bad news? The bad news is that you and I, we are sinners. Our hearts, our minds, our bodies, this world is corrupted with sin, and sin is slated for death. Sin is on death row. And there is no way to escape it. Death wins every time. Well, that's bad news for sure. Death as the inevitable, inescapable result of sin, that's terrible news. That is reality. And without a Savior, 
without God reaching in to save you, you are without hope. That's the bad news. So that's what makes the good news so good. You do not need to tremble before death. You do not need to succumb to the inescapability of death. You can believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the revelation of the righteousness of God. God declares this truth. He makes it known through his ministers, through his people. He declares the gospel of Jesus Christ in the earth. And those who believe are saved. For the righteous shall live by faith. Because when you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the power of God's salvation at once at work in your life. The power of God's salvation comes to you through faith. And the righteous will live by faith. You believe God saves. This is the good news. This is how God's righteousness is revealed. And this is how God's salvation comes to us, through faith. Maybe you've never heard the gospel before. Maybe God has brought you to this podcast to hear this very episode for this very purpose. And when you hear the good news of God's salvation, that God loves you, that God gave his only son to die on the cross for your salvation, to pay for your sins, to resurrect you, saving you, delivering you from the power of Satan and death, and you believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's gospel? Is faith at work? in your heart, to believe God's gospel, then God's salvation is at work in you. This is God's righteousness, and it is made yours through the gift of Jesus Christ, and through faith in his name. Repent of your sin. Ask Jesus into your heart and follow him for the rest of your days. If you prayed that prayer, if you believed for the first time, if God is doing something that you can't even begin to describe, I want you to reach out to us here at BabylonSingularity.com. Let us know what God did in your heart. We want to 
help you in your in your newfound faith, maybe help point you in some some helpful directions. You're not alone. If you believe, you're not alone. So I encourage you to do that. Um, keep moving here. This is the righteousness. So Paul begins this passage talking about the righteousness of God. But then he turns in verse 18 to the wrath of God and the unrighteousness of men. For the, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, but the wrath of God is revealed in a different way. The wrath of God comes upon the unrighteousness of men. See, there's a great reality going back to what I said about the bad news, the bad news of sin being on death row. Because God is a lover, yes, he is a redeemer, yes, but he is also a perfect judge. And his righteousness demands that he judge wickedness. And wickedness has one of two pathways. The first pathway is what we just described, repentance. Turn from your sin and believe in Jesus. He, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Turn from your sin. That's pathway number one, repentance. But there is a, another pathway, and that is wrath. It is one of two pathways for wickedness, repentance or wrath. Because here's the reality. Wickedness will cease. It will end one way or the other. God is a perfect judge. and He will end it. Paul says, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Right? The ungodly man, through his unrighteousness, suppresses truth. Right? So we got a guy like Eric Schmidt saying, hey, you know, uh, what's he say? He said, I don't want to come back he says, he says, I can't help that you're crazy, but I can't help that to silence you, right? Like, like he, like he wants to suppress the truth because you tell Eric Schmidt the truth about who he is, about who God is, about what God's word says. And guess what his response is going to be? You need to be locked up because you're crazy. You believe crazy stuff. You're a crazy person. That's what Eric Schmidt's going to tell you. Why? Because his unrighteousness, it is through his unrighteousness, the revealing of Eric Schmidt's unrighteousness is to suppress the truth. That's why he's not going to let you on his, his platform. 
that's why Google will say, oh, you're a crazy person. You're a crazy person. You talk about the Bible and you're crazy. You're crazy. You don't, you don't want AI to program your children. You're just a crazy person. These people are psychopaths. <laughs> but it is through this unrighteousness that they suppress the truth, completely unlike God, who in his righteousness reveals the gospel. He declares the truth. God doesn't suppress the truth. God declares it regardless the cost. So if we want to align with God, we're going to declare the gospel regardless of the cost. Because guess what we're going to do? We're going to be declaring it to unrighteous men who want to, guess what? Suppress the truth. They want to cancel you. They want to shut you down. Why? Because they are unrighteousness. They're unrighteous. They suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. Paul goes on to say that God has revealed himself to these guys. This is, this is like Adam and Eve walking away. God was walking around in the garden with them. This is, just the, this is the heritage of the fallen. We are on God's earth. We're created in God's image. God has made this earth beautiful. He's he, like this, the whole lie of, you know, we've come from a puddle of goo. And then from that puddle of goo, we've got every plant, every animal, every living thing. And then it just all of a sudden stopped evolving, except for how we can plug our brains into a machine. Like that is insanity, but that is the lie that they believe. And that is the lie that they're foisting upon the public. And that is the lie that they, they want to suppress the truth and say like, oh gosh, you know, obviously we came from a puddle of goo and a puddle of goo created everything that we can see around us. And it's just, it's just a crazy, you know, coincidence that it all turned out this way. Isn't it amazing? So go ahead and quick plug your brain into a computer so you can take your, the next step in evolution. Doesn't that make perfect sense? They are suppressing the truth. God has made himself known to them. They are rejecting God. They are rejecting the truth. They are suppressing reality. They're choosing a different reality. Why? Because they reject the creator. It says, verse 19, God has made himself plain to them. He has shown himself to them. His invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, ever since the creation of the world have been perceived in everything that's been made. God, creation testifies of the mighty power of God. But they take all of this evidence that, and they say, they chuck it all out the window and say, no, no, no. No, we came from a puddle of goo. And if you don't believe we came from a puddle of goo, you're crazy. You're a crazy person. They are without excuse. They are without excuse. Paul does not mince words here. He just says they're without excuse. There's no reason for doing what they're doing. It is simply the love of darkness. They didn't honor him. They didn't give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking their thinking became skewed. They started seeing things in weird ways. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. These are the intellectual elite. 
These are the guys who have brains like Ferraris. Supercars. But all they do is drive around in the ditches. Because why? Because their foolish hearts are darkened. Because their hearts love darkness, that darkness is shed in their mind. It casts a shadow over their thinking. They become futile in what they want to do. And then they start coming up with crazy things that they want to do. Like, hey, guys, on this great adventure, as we depart from the creator, as we reject everything to do with God, his word, and his people, we're going to go ahead and run after some really amazing things. Things like the singularity. We're going to use our technology to save us. And we're going to become gods. Isn't that amazing? That's great. Isn't that great? Everybody loves this idea. We came from a puddle of goo and we're on our ways to, on the way to become technological gods. God says, you are futile in your thinking. Your hearts are darkened and your darkened hearts cast a shadow over the way you, your reason. Your reason is malfunctioning but they cannot see it. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Images. What's an image? An image is stuff that we make, humans make. It's a photocopy. We see something we simulate it. That's an image. Okay, like back in Paul's day and, you know, back in the ancient times, the images were pretty primitive, right? Like it was a, it was a carved out stick that looked like a fish or, you know, it was a, it was a rock to, made, to be made to look like a, a crazy Egyptian dog. And those images that we look into the sky, we look into the earth, we get these, these sun, moon, animals, trees we make an image from the things that we see and then we say oh this is we're going to worship this thing they exchanged the glory the image of the immortal god the glory of the immortal god they exchanged god for a stick they exchanged the immortal god for a piece of metal and don't think that we're beyond it just because we're in the 21st century. Our images are just more sophisticated now. They're more complicated. It takes more electricity to run them. But the reality is the same. Exchanging God for images of creation. Images resembling man and birds, animals, creeping things. We've been doing it for a long time, and it's about to crescendo in a way. It's going to blow some minds. Artificial intelligence is exactly this. So what happens when there's a wholesale rejection of the creator? 
What happens when folks want to exchange the glory of the immortal God for images? What happens when we chase artificial intelligence at the expense of our creator? God stops us, right? God stops us from doing all this crazy stuff, right? God, surely you're going to step in. Nope. Paul says, therefore God gives them up. God says, in essence, is this really, 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 really what you want? And when the answer is yes, this is absolutely 100% really, 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 really what we want, God says, fine. Have it. He lets it go. He lets it go. And that is what we're seeing. Why are we seeing all these crazy things? Why are we seeing artificial intelligence take this crazy path? Why are we seeing tech saviors arising to be the hope of humanity? Why are we seeing Dubai rising up to become the global head of commerce, politics, ideology? Why? Because God's giving us up. It's what we want. We don't want God. We want images. We don't want reality. We want the metaverse, right? I mean, who doesn't want to live in the metaverse? It's whatever you want it to be. It's not God. It's not what God created. It's what we create. It's life on our terms. It's, quote unquote, heaven for the fallen, which ends up being a living hell, an exchange exchanging God, handing God over for an image. Like Esau trading over his birthright for a cup of soup. God says, I'll let you make that exchange. And I will offer an exchange. I will offer my son for your sin. I will offer the exchange of my life for yours. But if you refuse that exchange, I will give you the exchange that you demand. If you demand to exchange me for created things, I'll give it to you. You'll have it. What is that? That's going to work out well for everybody, right? When they, when they, when they decide to reject the creator, surely that's going to work when people just hate God and go after technological oblivion. That's going to work well for everybody, right? It says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Worshiping, bowing down. You're going to worship and bow down to something. If it is not the creator, it's the creature. And that creature's name is Satan. He's the serpent. God created Satan. Satan is created. Satan is under the power of, he's under the control and sovereignty of Almighty God. And Satan is going to do everything he can in his power to get you to bow down and worship him. 
But he is created. He is not creator. For it is God who is creator. God who is blessed forever and ever. And because the fallen make this exchange, because they exchange the immortal God for created images, God gives them over to dishonorable passions. Their desires burn out of control. Their lusts, their addictions, their wickedness. It doesn't stay at a certain level. The fire burns fully and completely until there is nothing left. Lust. Burning out of control in greater and greater measure. And it says, they receive in themselves the due penalty. What is the due penalty? What is the wage of sin? What is the result of walking down that pathway? The pathway, not of repentance, but of wrath. The due penalty is wrath. The wrath of God. And that's what we're talking about. Just so you're, you're clear, there is no middle ground. It is repentance or wrath. And it is your choice which pathway you want to go. I beg you. I appeal to you. I plead with you. Choose repentance. There is no greater terror than the wrath of God. There is no greater dread in the fury of the Almighty. Because if we do not repent and believe the gospel, if we reject our Creator and exchange the immortal God for the created images, God will give us over to a debased mind. Our mind will get twisted more and more and more doing the things that ought not to be done. Though they know God's righteous decree, those that practice these things, what do they practice? Envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slander, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Those who practice these things deserve, from Paul's perspective, verse 32, those who do such things deserve to die. That's the word of God. Those who do these things deserve to die. But they not only do them, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's not just enough that you're running around doing it. It's you approve it. You love it. Your unrighteousness 
is a stamp of approval. You approve of wickedness. Do you approve of wickedness? Then you deserve to die. There's one of two paths. Repentance, believe the gospel, or the wrath of God, terrifying and dreadful. But we are those who do not shrink back. We are those who live by faith. And God's righteousness, his power to save, is revealed from heaven to us. And we walk in that power. And what do we do when we walk in that power? We're in the spirit of God. We're praying. We're watching. We're proclaiming the gospel. We're linking arms, loving and forbearing with one another seeking to align fully with the Word of God, baptized in the Spirit and power, walking before God, walking in the light, having fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. So, hey, I'm going to kind of leave it there today. I hope you're blessed by, I feel like I, I feel like I dealt a little more properly with Romans 1 in, the, in this episode. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. As I felt like I needed to do that. Thanks for joining with me. Thanks for your love for the Lord, your zeal for God's purpose in your life and in the church. Um, I'm looking forward to the amazing things God has for us in the future. Until next time, be watching, be praying, be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That concludes this episode of the Babylon Singularity Podcast. We hope this podcast was a blessing to you. This podcast is listener-supported. Prayerfully consider visiting BabylonSingularity.com to support this effort. What we do, we do together. We appreciate every way you support this ministry. Please click on the subscribe button and leave us a review. Thank you for listening and we sincerely hope you join us next time on the Babylon Singularity Podcast. Babylon Singularity is a gospel ministry of Harvest Winds.